Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for another thrilling, tantalising episode of the Bond Daft Project. Ranking Bond continues. We are here to discuss the best allies over the franchise. These are characters that have come in really for one or two films, sometimes maybe more, we'll see, um, who are not the main recurring characters over the series like M, Moneypenny, all that kind of stuff, or the Bond girls, they'll be a different category. Um, but yeah, we're here to discuss our favourites. Joining me uh, with doing this remotely, of course, Francis Murphy. Yo, yo, yo. Steve McCall. A very good evening to you all. And Gordon Webster. Good evening, Mr. Barry. Good evening, guys. We are now into the evening. We've been doing this is the fourth uh, podcast of today. As we mentioned before, we're here talking about Bond's allies, the characters that have come into each of the films that have made an impact or not. Um, we're here to discuss our favourites. Uh, this is, again, a discussion one, just generally going over, uh, nominating our favourites, one or two, and maybe even our weakest characters as well, if we feel strongly about that. Let's start with Gordon. Who would you like to discuss? Oh, right then, Mr. Barry. So I think, see, with allies, I, I like to, I thought of a way, you know, to separate them. I suppose we can all kind of separate them between in our own minds. Is like you've got the really exaggerated ones and you've got the kind of realistic ones, which are almost like real, real spies. Some of them are spies, obviously. Some of them are more like... You look like Mark Andrew Draco, for example. He's not a spy; he's actually a criminal. But he's um, he is uh, Tracy's father. Um, I suppose he'll be the first one to want to mention. Then, yes. So, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. He's the head of Union Course, the biggest crime syndicate according to him in the world. But Bond says no, not as big as Spectre. And see, see Draco. You've got the great thing with him. Uh, I get well with him. I don't know if he's maybe bordering between exaggerated ally and and realistic ally. I love the fact that the bad guy is also a good guy. So he's bad in that, you know, he's a, he's a criminal. He's, he's probably done some terrible things. But see, the chemistry between him and Lazenby, or just between his character and Bond's character, is there instantly. I mean, it's the whole um, scene with Bond arriving at his office is one of the best scenes between Bond and any ally it's the whole thing they hit it off right away um, bit strange, it's like here's I'll pay you money to marry my daughter but straight out of Fleming um, the, ver- the very first line kinda, that Draco says to Bond kind of sums up what what is great about our Bond ally is like, I think it's so, so Bond sneaks his way into Draco's office and he throws a knife and misses him and he just looks at Bond and he said, what does he says, um, don't kill me until we've had a drink or something. It's all about it's all about having a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's there's just some great lines there. So the whole I just yeah, I just really like the dynamic of, you know, that he's a he's a bad guy, but he's also a good guy. He's quite hands on. You know, even he goes out with Bond and he, you know, armed with a machine gun to take on Bofeld. He just I love I love what I love allies that have big resources. You know, he just has all these kind of minions working for him, and he throws money at things to get what he wants. It's like Bond um, sort of declines his proposition, so he he um, kind of tries to buy him. It's like he didn't even have to think about. It. He's like, right. He just kind of looks and he goes, right. I'll give you a million dollars on the day you marry Tracy. <laughs> yeah, he's a. Uh, I think he's really good. Um, 
I don't know if he's my number one, really. I, I mean, I don't know if I, how, how much I really want to actually rank them, but, you know, he's he's an instant. Um, I think there's got to be a place, man, for Tiger Tanaka. So the film before, You Only Live Twice, Tiger's the head of the Japanese Secret Service. And you got to just love Tanaka because, like Draco, he's got this glint in his eye. He's just... The, the actors full of charisma. Now, they're both dubbed. Let's... Um, let, let's you know, sort of pay tribute to the fact that they were it was the dubbing was amazing for that sort of nineteen sixties technology. I mean, it took a while for me to actually realize it was actually quite well done. But and I think it was uh, the guy who actually dubbed Tanaka did a few of the Bond actors. I'll not go into that. Obviously, like, uh, Largo and stuff. But um, I think Tetsuro Tamba. I think that's his name who plays uh, plays Tanaka. I think he's great. Great chemistry between him and Connery. Um, I just love how you see with Tanaka, everything about the guy is exaggerated. He says to Bond, you know, the whole the whole um, spa scene with Bond and the bikini-clad girls, that's actually, I think, meant to be Tanaka's house because there's the line that shows you that Bond, and I think it's Bond and him and Aki strolling up to this building in the dark, and, and he says, tonight you're at my house is yours or something. It's like, so built into his house, this head of the Secret Service has got his own spa full of bikini-clad girls who are just like, a, you know, a stone's throw away, like his instant command. He's got his own private train, as Steve mentioned earlier. His surveillance of practically everything. You know, the whole thing with, the, with his helicopter, it's like, he's just waiting to in, intercept Bond and Aki in the car with the big helicopter and the magnet. It just, it, you know, he even has a monitor that looks straight into that car. It's just, is it all these resources, he just available at, you know, instant notice, like Draco, he's very hands-on. There's a great camera intro to his character. Um, you know, the way Bond arrives in, in that lair, you think he, maybe he's a villain. Kind of dynamic camera, he shows in the distance. And like we said, he's very hands-on Tanaka, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's... He's very sort of, you know, he gets involved in the action. <laughs> yeah, like that sort of... Um management style that he has where he's you know he's doing everything <laughs> i think was the funny part about it considering he's just quite the equivalent of m was he not you know <laughs> yeah i know it's it just everything about the guy's exaggerated i really love that and i think it, and if you go back to i mean they're they're two maybe sort of slightly exaggerated allies karen bays a down to earth one from rush with love just again this guy's so many resources he is the you know he has all these contacts, like every, like he has like eight or nine or ten sons that all work for him and do do these nasty jobs for him, uh, straight out of the book. Um, again, and another real sort of like down to earth one is Mathis, I think, out of Casino Royale and, and Quantum. I mean, he was in, I think he was in the From Rush with Love novel as well as the Casino novel, and he's, you know, you can you can take him. There's the chemistry's there again. He's maybe like a real-world MI6 contact. He's believable, I think. You get to see the sort of... You get to see the beginning, middle, and end. The Rennie Mathis has a has an arc, and that's rare for a Bond ally, to run, for an arc to run through more than one movie as well. Yeah. Where, you know, you see how they meet each other, and then they form the trust. Yeah. And then um, it seems as like... You know, the thing is, right, like... Mathis is key to helping Bond, and then it turns out that Mathis does get accused of something he hasn't done. Um, and then he, and then, obviously, somehow the friendship survives that. Yeah. 
and then obviously the you know he dies in Bond's arms at the very end, you know, um, and then that whole thing of him putting the the bin in the the body in the bin and saying well, you wouldn't mind, you know, like it's just you know there's a lot there. It's almost like Felix Leiter multiplied by ten in terms of like someone who's involved in that world. You know, yeah, you're right. Actually, there's a bit more believability to to the Mathis character. I like, I do like him. Yeah, and again, you know, very, really, really up there for me. The last one I wanted to mention was Milos Colombo out of Few Eyes Only. I think he's brilliant. Again, you've got that great intro between him and Bond. There's a whole thing like you don't know. It's actually made out that Christatos is the enemy. No, sorry, it's made out that, Chris, yeah. that, that Columbo's the enemy and Christatos is the MI6 ally, but the tables are turned. I think that's just masterfully done. And and you can even say, like, Topol's character, Columbo, actually, he looks more of a villain. He's got that cool look, like moustache, kind of, like, swept back hair. He kind of looks like kind of quite a rich man again. He's got all these resources. Great chemistry between him and Roger Moore. As soon as Bond meets him, bloody brilliant scene on that boat, just... Bond walks in the room, it's like, here he is face-to-face with the enemy, but it's not the enemy, it's it's actually, he's, I love the way, like, Christatos has done all these terrible things and blames them on Columbo, he tries to say, like, Columbo's dealing heroin and all this stuff, and as soon as, as soon as he meets Bond, he's just like, you know, here's a drink, and just kind of thrusts a whiskey into his hand, he's, got, again, he's just one of these great allies, he's got this glint in his eye, you know, and they're just, and it's the whole rivalry between him and Christatos, I think that's, like, one of the like the real strengths of that film. So yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick between them. I mean, these are these are pretty much my my top allies. They're you've got there's those key qualities, you know, just chemistry. Um, you, you know, obviously Felix Leiter is uh, kind of yeah. an obvious one. I was about to say, I'm you know, surprised you haven't mentioned him. Because <laughs> if my I would say my my favorite Felix Leiter would be probably the David Tedison one, but I like um. I like Rick Van Nutten, Thunderball, and I like I don't I don't really like Norman Burton and Diamonds Are Forever is lighter. I think just chemistry's all gone there. Okay. All right. Steve. I'm glad Tiger Tanaka got a mention. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he's definitely up there with mine as well. I love that kind of the genuine one. I mean the fact that it's it's well it's an interesting one with Tanaka because he kind of borders on because he provides Bond with everything and anything he wants. You know, have an, you want an army of ninjas to a place to stay? <laughs> yeah. All yours. What, you want my helicopter? You can have it. But I think that's almost to his detriment to an extent because, I mean, it goes as far as here's some, here's a load of um, bikini-clad women for you. In that, in that, obviously, that spa scene with the air, they're very sexiful, yeah. which makes me cringe every time. And yeah. he, he also arranges that wedding, does he not? The one that... Mm. They, completely unnecessarily went through the entire ceremony for yeah. no reason yeah um so it borders that but it, i mean on the the grand scale of things tanaka is brilliant for that because he's got that genuine warmth um and again i think we're all probably going to mention felix later i think when it comes to felix later as a case of which of his appearances is our favorites um, and I think the one that sticks out for me particularly is him in license to kill because i as i've mentioned i love that film the film pretty much um, uh, revolves around Felix Leiter and, and that real strength of friendship there from the start where he's getting married yep. to the absolute devastation when his wife is killed and the entire film basically sort of taking that revenge mm-hmm. and you know at the end where um, Bond is eventually saved by the Leiter given by Felix Leiter I love that 
Um, and also Felix's appearance in Quantum of Solace when he's effectively on, he's basically on the bad side because in that, obviously the Americans are slightly kind of bent cops. Um, and seeing Felix, that kind of conflict where he's still an ally of Bond's, but he's on the wrong side of the law. Yeah. And I think that him watching him being put in that, but still being an ally of Bond is, is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in terms of who we haven't mentioned before, I think among my absolute favorites is actually Quarrel in Doctor No. Yeah. Because you, I think there's a real, as a viewer, you get a real emotional attachment to him. Um, in that film, he's, I mean, he's, it's his local. He's exactly what you want as an ally. He's an ally. He's a, you know, he's a local. It's his local knowledge that helps Bonds. Um, you know, taking him out to the islands, taking him on his boat and stuff. Um, he just he just comes across as really sort of friendly and innocent. He's not um, particularly you know, it, and the way that he pays the ultimate price effectively by he goes so far to help Bonds. He goes so far without his so so far out with his comfort zone. He he gets killed in the end, which is and you do feel a real shame. It's one of the few times in the franchise where you see Bond showing genuine upset and sorrow at the death of someone. Um, so quarrel as an ally, I think, is way up there mm-hmm. yeah. as as a favourite. And I think the only other one I want to mention is actually Valentin. Yeah. Valentin. Pronunciation. Yeah. Um, particularly in GoldenEye, to a lesser extent in the world is not enough, because yeah. as we, as I think we've established, he becomes somewhat more comedic in that appearance. But um, it's always good to see Robbie Coltrane on screen. He's fantastic. And it's the journey that Valentin goes on, because I think one of the greatest skills of a spy, both in films and I think in real life as well, is being able to turn an enemy. That's the entire purpose of the job. You're going into situations, finding people who are on the opposite side to what you are and turning them for intelligence. And Valentin goes on that journey. He starts off obviously holding a grudge against Bonds, but turns into a real sort of helpful, if not so much friend, at the very least, someone who's willing to help Bond and defend him. Um, And watching him or sort of knowing that he's gone on that journey, I think makes for a great ally. It's incredible. It's done in what two scenes? I mean, it's like it's you buy into it. <laughs> you do. That's and that's that. That I think is the skill. That's that's what makes James Bond the greatest spy of them all. He's got that ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, Dimitri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love I love uh, Valentin. He would. I mean, I'm glad again you chose it because it would been way too cliche of me to to choose it um but i love it it's uh the first scene that pierce brosnan shot for goldeneye uh so he was really nervous acting alongside robical train but uh yeah brilliant scene great dialogue uh with the right the writing alone you know sets up this history they've had obviously bond has injured them before and talks about how you know it's it's cold in the cold it hurts even more and obviously in russia that's that means a lot so yeah great stuff i just like i like the idea of like the post-soviet world and what ex-agents kgb agents did and get involved in crime and various things i just find it really interesting and i like the fact that he appeared a couple of times as well you know yeah i mean i don't know if i like these his use in the uh the world is not enough as much I just don't know the comedic slant to his character. Kind of was a bit too yeah. much. But I mean, it was it was good to see him. Do you know what I mean? Like it was good. To, it was good. Like, I, I like continuity uh, and consistency. Like when you see someone again, um, 
but yeah, it was it, it wasn't used the best. No, they they, they took away any sort of menace or threat or re- believability from him and became kind yeah. of farcical a little. I suppose that, I mean, after a while, gangster type in Goldeneye, you know. Yeah. Like, even he looked more threatening because in the world's not enough. They, I don't think we need to see him in a white dinner jacket. I don't think he had to have a little beard. It just he's he just seems a bit kind of bumbling. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm strictly thinking of him as someone who's an ally to Bond. Do you know what I mean? Like someone who. There's a strange relationship between the two of them where they kind of love and hate each other in a weird kind of way, and I, I just think it's quite interesting. Um, I would have liked to have seen it used better, um, but I, I still think he's kind of up there. I'll go next then, because I suppose Val- Valentine was mine, and Karen Bay was kind of the other one for me. You spoke about how Quarrel, you know, the bond really was affected by the death of Quarrel. I feel like even that that continued with, with the next film from Russia With Love, I think even amplified. You know the death yeah. of Karen Bay. I think uh, you can you can really feel that. And that was the strength of those early films because they weren't all they weren't complicated in the sense of you know there was a lot of action to distract yeah. you. It was a bit more focused on the character, a bit more. From Russia with Love had a quite a complicated plot. There was a lot of different strands to follow, but it still had a good focus on the character and, and the sort of journey and the dialogue between Connery and and Karen Bay. That was by, clever, yeah, yeah. because it. I was just going to say quickly, Steve, that made us hate Red Grant even more because it was building up his character and it's because you, you kind of know that Grant's killed him. Yeah, yeah. And again, he was a really likable character played by uh, Pedro Armendariz. And if you know the backstory as well, it was obviously uh, very sad that he was dying of cancer throughout the production and they actually had to move his scenes to earlier in the shoot so that they could get it before he was really he couldn't he was not fit and he died after the, the four months after the film was released i think of cancer and uh quite sad he was he was quite he was in a lot of pain i think he was struggling with the scenes but he still did it um which is the strength of character of the man but so yeah and i think you you know you look at his scenes though and he's full of life like he's there's a great charisma with him and it's kind of connects really well with Connery that that sort of natural charisma he has and they they seem you know a good pair I quite enjoy that so that would probably be my uh, favorite ally Fran we'll come to you okay so um there were certain names that were mentioned that I had on my list as well already but we'll get to them anyway so the first one I wanted to mention is just it's for a stupid reason but I just love the fact that Michael Madsen was in a Bond film. Oh, um, yeah. Damien Falco in Die Another Day. It's probably the only good thing I could say about that film, actually, because Michael Madsen just amuses me somehow. Like, there's just something about him. I remember at the time not... I mean, I like Michael Madsen, don't get me wrong. I think he's brilliant in mostly all the Tarantino stuff and everything. But I remember thinking he was maybe misplaced in the Bond film. I don't know. I I, 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 I just like him. I, Fair play. I feel, I feel like I had to say something good about Down Another Day at some point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just thought, you know what? Michael Madsen's there. Yeah. So let's just, you know, Michael Madsen, you know, like, let's let's do this this thing. Let's say something nice. Then obviously, like, I'm going to mention Quarrel because I'm the, I feel like I'm the guy who always talks about Quarrel. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to take my turn to talk about him, even though we've talked about him, right? One thing I did find a bit funny though about Quarrel, like it it shows you how much times have changed. <laughs> Because, like, remember when they're in the, the yeah. party and he just takes the woman by the arm, brings her over, mm-hmm. like, to the table? And then, and I, then she I stabs think, him. I, I, think, <laughs> I think he hurt the actress's arm. I think he was quite rough. I remember reading or hearing the documentary that he was. I don't, I don't, he kind of. 
I think he did it harder than intended or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've kind of said, we've said what we need to say about Quarrel, but I do think it wasn't, you know, it's, it's as much the manner of his death and the way that Bond reacted to his death and all those things, you know what I mean? It's There's something about that. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I will forever feel sorry for Quarrel, but I think he's, you know, it's, it's interesting that you've got a Quarrel turning up in the very first film. Do you know what I mean? Like a strong kind of ally figure there uh, is is right there from the very beginning. And then you've got the next one I was thinking of was Pushkin, the general from the Living Daylights. Oh yeah, it's John Reese Davies. Oh yeah, yep. So great choice. I mean, a good actor. You know what I mean? But I I like this idea of the I like it when the Soviets are working with the British a bit or mm. the Americans. You know, the, there's a bit things are more complicated than they seem. You know, in the comp- politics and it might just seem like two armies or two countries or whatever that hate each other or fight each other, but things are often a lot more nuanced than that. But I also just like John Rhys Davies as well. Yeah. yeah. It's great in the Indiana Jones films, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what a guy. What, what, I mean, he's great in everything he shows up in. Really, I mean, he's he's... I did listen to something... Recently, though, where he was moaning about something, I think it was a TV series he was in or something, and it was not very good at all, but I can't remember what it was. But um, then you've got the classic Felix Leiter. Uh, Which, and I actually, yeah. I actually like... Is it Jeffrey Wright? Jeffrey Wright, yeah. That's the modern-day Felix modern Leiter. Who I think actually is the best Felix Leiter. Do you know what I mean? Like I think he brings a real... I like Jeffrey Wright as well. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about the the actor, and it's... Yeah, and it's consistent yeah. as well. We've got a consistent Felix Leiter now. You know what I mean, like properly. And I think that that's going to go on. And it's going to be interesting to see Jeffrey Wright with um, what's her name, uh, the one who's playing the new 007, Lashana Lynch. Aha, uh-huh. Lashana Lynch. Um, seeing how you know uh, Felix Leiter and a female uh, 007 interact with one another, uh, especially after Craig's finished, and then we move on to the new. I think we, I think she will be taken. From what I've read, I think she's then going to be 007 after that. Um, I'd be quite interested to see that. Uh, the great thing is, well, I was just going to say that, see, friend about Felix Leiter, I love the idea that, I mean, Bond is, he's a guy that couldn't really have a family, couldn't have a, a wife and children, really. He's so, the type of job he does, he's a trained killer, he's a lone wolf, but I still like the idea that there's this one guy in the world who's American, who who's still his friend to a degree like it's the same as Bond and Trevelyan I like Uh the fact that Bond does have a pal but they do spy things yeah yeah I like you know Felix Leiter will invite Bond to his wedding you know what I mean like you know they go beyond into another kind of relationship there which is good yeah it's kind of like you need to to, because you need to be Bond's friend Um, you know it's probably quite sort of like high standards if you know what I mean like because the sort of world he operates in, you can't really have friends, but it's, it's it's as well, I think, if you if you read the novels and you learn that they had a close-knit friendship. I like the idea that Bond is like a, an equivalent who's American, whether it's Jeffrey Wright, whether it's David Tennyson, or whether it's Jack Lord, or whoever. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's it, Felix Leiter is a, a character that goes right the way back to the books, you know, so that that person is important that that that's an important character in the kind of i mean you tend to find that your main character the other characters around them are representing facets of them 
So Felix Leiter maybe is a bit more of the human side, but still in that world, you know. So yeah, I mean, for all those reasons and more, yeah, definitely would would think that he's up there as a, a big mention. And that's my allies. That's yep. that's my list. Uh, uh, a couple of so things. Yeah. Uh, just the thought you were talking about Valentin Sukovsky, and it made me think in the arc side of things, wouldn't it have been great, right? So see, After Tomorrow Never Dies, right? Thinking of an alternate universe, you're making your next film. Your next villain is Zukovsky. Like, say he becomes a villain, that like he gets more money and somehow goes down a path that actually Bond and him, it's like a become the kind of main, he becomes the antagonist of the film, not just a side character. I think they've uh-huh. done it really well. That could have been quite impressive. Robbie Coltrane as the main villain would be awesome if they give the right writing material to him. Yeah, I mean, it would have it would have been it was an incredible missed opportunity to not do something more with them. Yeah, like you an established I mean? character, See, like you're saying. Yeah, I thought what you were about to say, Steve, was like bringing him back in Tomorrow Never Dies as an ally. Because see, they did they they did that with Jack Wade, and I, I don't think Jack Wade was he was all right. I feel like we could have maybe had a like another film with a, with the darker Valentine. Mm. Maybe yeah. in Tomorrow Never Dies somehow it, rather than because Wade Wade's kind of superfluous in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, um, he's not great. Uh, he's all right in Goldeneye. Like, yeah, he does the job. I think it's kind of like a a rougher CIA kind of Felix Leiter kind of kind of equivalent. But in Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah, I would cut him out the film. Not not a big fan of Jimbo. Uh, oh, he's annoying and tomorrow never dies. Yeah, you can kind of some of the humour with him is good and golden eye, but he's just just a pain in the arse in tomorrow never dies. It's the same. It's the exact same treatment they gave him that they did with um, Sikovsky in the next film. I think that kind of they strip away any any real wit and banter that the two characters between Bond and him, and it's literally just lazy writing and relying on simple comedy that just doesn't work for me. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think we've covered a lot of the uh, the main allies there. Uh, There's a name that didn't come up that I'm surprised didn't come up, and I actually thought Fran would have brought it up, and that's General Gogol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do this. I didn't do it because because I knew that someone would expect me to do it. That's why. <laughs> So I was averting expectations there. I thought, <laughs> what about the minister? I, I thought, yeah, the minister as well. Freddie Green. I know. Good the point. Is, guys, you're pleasing me so much by saying this. Like you're do, you have done exactly what I hoped. You have, <laughs> you have said the names of the people I love. Yes. I that was the ultimate segue of all segues. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> well, there we go, General Gogol. I mean, what can you say? I mean, that guy is just. Brilliant, and the actor as well. The actor is great. You know, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But the thing is, I love General Gogol so much that one of my pals um, down in England actually said to him because when he was talking about, I was telling him about Rogue One and about how they'd basically like CGI'd Grand Moff Tarkin back into it, and he was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that!" You know, that's incredible what they did there. I said, "Well, did you know that?" Um, and because I think it was it wasn't that long ago, it was no time to die was yet to come out. And I said to him, "Did you know that in the next one they're going to they're bringing back General Gogol as a CGI person, right?" And he was like, "What?" And he believed me, <laughs> right? 
for ages and then he was eventually looked it up and realized it was a complete fraud <laughs> but yeah I, I like Gogol so much that i've used him as a prank yeah. but um i think he's i particularly love the scene with him and i think it's in timothy dalton's bond when oh. dalton's bond gets a hold of this little device and then there's that moment where he stops the soviet soldier shooting bond you know and it's like this respect between them you know but the bit in the helicopter as well is like you know there's comedy there's some comedy there as well um a slight a, a sense of comedy with gogol um certainly more so in the moore films yeah. the minister the minister i just love the fact that the minister the minister's practically been like like taken out of the care home and like given stimulants to do the job <laughs> like towards the very end like there's got members of staff underneath holding him up like under the camera like wheeling him around on like one of those things now those wheelbarrow things you imagine him just standing on it and they're just pushing him along you know and i loved the bit where he got mad at roger moore's bond remember that like took him in to see someone there's yeah, a couple like, of times isn't on. there I do you mean Moonraker when they go into Bond claims that that's where Drax's lab is and then it's a big drawing room with nothing yeah. there. <laughs> the he says, I'm you know, so sorry. Do you know the funniest line that Frederick Gray ever had? I would say out of all of them, it would be in the living daylights. I don't know if this was kind of meant to sound funny because it makes it sound as if they're part of like a band camp or a fraternity or something. But see, see after the after Koskov escapes from the safe house, Bond is in is in M's room back at Universal Exports and, and Frederick Gray's talking about Kozkov's escape and he's like, with a laughing stuff of the no, oh, with yeah. a laughing stock of the intelligence community. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did like that. <laughs> That's a great line. I know. So there you go. He's got so many great scenes, yeah. And it just I love remember, I think I mentioned it before, for your eyes only, just every every time the chief of staff says something. All, all um, the minister does, he just goes, hmm, he just makes a, a, a kind of old man grunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, I think we've covered uh, our favourites. Can't imagine there's any least favourites or is there any ones we want to nominate as uh, our... Oh. I can think of one. Okay. And it's actually, when fairness, it's the same I brought up in the last one we just did. And I think he does count as an ally because he helps Bond in a scene. And that's J.W. Pepper. Oh, of course. That yeah. awful, awful scene after the car chase in Man with the Golden Gun, where he, he kind of goes on a stakeout almost with Bond. And it's just, it's the most, it might be the most unnecessary scene from any Bond film. Yeah. And um, he's just, oh, he's an awful character. But that whole scene where he's, Hey, sort of bumbling along in the car and the, oh, every line that comes out of his mouth is just cringy. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's just... that's one of the... Well, just sorry, Steve. Um, that's right. one of the the things that, see, after that great spiral jump with the car, you then remember that he's in the car and it's like, ah, oh, back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 10, we get about four seconds of, you know, oh, wow, that's... Oh, wait, back to... Back to the scene, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice distraction. It's like, why is he even in... Where was it? He was in Macau, was it? No, or was it... Oh, it was Bangkok, Bangkok was it? Aye. Yeah, why he was he in there on holiday? The odds. No, why, he was in a showroom talking about buying a car. How the fuck was he going to get a car back from Thailand? Yeah, yeah. In the first... It's, yeah, that the his entire inclusion in Man with a Golden Gun was completely unnecessary. And the fact that he became someone who tried to help out Bond in a section... 
was just ah oh, just face palmingly bad. Yeah. I, I agree with you bringing that up, Steve. The, the only bit I maybe find slightly funny is when all the all of the the Bangkok cops arrive at the big barn at the end, and Sheriff Pepper says like, "Here's my credentials," and it's just this huge big like line of <laughs> unnecessary cards coming out his wallet. Yeah, a little you, bit of visual humour. Are you a doomsday boy? <laughs> God, uh, he just kind of like slobbers his way through the scene and wearing shorts and that is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I can kind of agree with you, Steve. Yeah, I wonder what the, the Southerners in America think. You know, if he's trying to represent somebody from like I don't know if that's Georgia or Alabama or something like that. If they they find it funny, they hey look, it's like us or something, or they just like no, that's incredibly offensive. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's kind of strange. Like, see, living like that is kind of an anomaly for Roger Moore's catalog because in some ways it's his most serious mission. And he's up against a big drug baron, but there's there's like individual bits where it's just really really heightened reality. It's like a hangover from Dimes Are Forever, obviously the film before, like that whole the whole boat chase, for example, mm-hmm. yeah. the, the speedboat through the wedding cake, which I do still laugh at. If they'd shortened that whole segment, that could have worked for me, but it's just it goes on so long that you forget you're watching a Bond film at times. Um, there was literally about ten minutes of that boat chase sequence or something. Uh, yeah, and the scene of the flying school with Mrs. Bell—it's like that kind of jars. Although it's funny, it kind of jars with where the film was going, especially because it gets darker shit. when. I yeah, I know. Can see, can see. Shortly after, it gets back to Harlem again, I think, and it's got it's got a really dark scene with uh, you know Mister Big and Solitaire, where it shows he becomes Kananga. You know that, and he. Hit solitaire and all this stuff. Baron Samadhi stand there laughing. Like there's a kind. Of, it's another one of these films. There's like a a mix of the light and the dark. Yeah, really, really serious scenes and really outrageous scenes. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the the Bond films have always, especially the older ones, they really dabbled in that kind of like. It's like a meter of how much comedy to drama, and the early ones it's mostly drama with a very light sprinkling of comedy. And then as the Moore era started to kick in, the the meter swung swung the other way to the point that they were they were they're literally almost comedies. The Man with the Golden Gun can be almost seen like a comedy, uh, and, and and Octopussy and and Moonraker to an extent. But then I would also give an honourable mention though to Sir Godfrey Tibbet from obviously Patrick McNee's character oh, in yeah. *The to Kill*. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was great. I liked the the way that they used them in that film. You know, like you know. Uh, sort of bond is kind of ordering about and stuff like that i quite like that yeah some some great allies over the franchise um i don't think there's any more bad ones i can think of the i mean there's a couple of bond girl ones but i think they're obviously we'll keep them for the bond girl i don't there's ones that definitely don't work but okay uh, that's good. We are done for today. That will conclude our allies discussion. We will be back uh, next, well, a couple of weeks uh, to discuss the other categories. We've got henchmen, we've got villains, our 
Bond Girl category and a few others uh, before we get to the final ranking of the films. We're about halfway through this process, guys. You'll be glad to know. And also for any listener, uh, if you enjoyed this, of course, go and listen to the rest of the podcasts on our SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also check out the website. Feel free to read any of our articles and also uh, anything else we've put up there uh, on capiche.online. Thanks, guys, for joining me. We'll be back to discuss more Bond. Thank you. Bye-bye.